Welcome to the uh, state championship edition of the News and Records HS Extra Football Pep Talk Podcast. I am Joe Serrera. I'm joined this week, as usual, by my podcast partner, J.P. Mundy. And we are also joined by a special guest, uh, ESPN Triad Radio's uh, Spencer Turkin, who is the voice of high school football on the radio in the Triad, as well as the host of Saturday morning's high school huddle football show. Uh, great to have you with us, Spencer. JP, I'm not so sure about. Yeah. Uh, Joe, I appreciate yeah. you having me. JP, I don't know why you're crashing our party, but it's okay. Joe promised snacks. That's right. <laughs> I, will be, I will be emailing you the snacks. Um, first thing we want to do is very quickly uh, talk a little bit about what happened last Friday night. Uh, JP and I both had a one and three week on predictions, which is way below our season average. We were both around 80% for uh, the year up to that point. Uh, we both got Paige Wright beating Apex Middle Creek on the road, beating them decisively. Uh, where we did not fare quite so well was the other three games, and I guess I'll start with the one that surprised us all the most, Dudley dropping a 17-8 decision to Charlotte Catholic at home. I think if there was one team of the four that we thought was a lock to be playing uh, Saturday for a state championship, it was the Dudley Panthers. JP, you were at that game. What did you see there? I, I still can't believe it. It's been a week, and I still can't believe that game happened. Um, if I'm frustrated about that game, then you know Coach Stephen Davis and, and the rest of his, his crew are very upset about it. They played unlike any other time I've seen them all year long. Um, they, they couldn't they couldn't get off the blocks. Um, they kept trying to force things inside with with, with Connell Young um, to you know to no avail. They tried some early swing passes out to out to him, and uh, you know there were some there were quite a few drops early on. And I don't know whether it was the, the kids getting used. It was it was cold, so I didn't know if they were trying to get used to the cold. But there were some early drops, and it, long and short of it was that their most consistent um, effective offensive play was Hendon Hooker scrambling for uh, first down. That's it. They couldn't do anything else, regardless of, uh, of how wide open their, their wide receivers were downfield all night long. Yeah, and that's a really disappointing finish for a great group of seniors at Dudley. You mentioned Connell Young, Simeon Gatling, Brandon Person Boyd. I mean, I say a little, just a great group of kids, and I hate to see them go out that way, but... You know, Charlotte Catholic uh, is, a, is a great program, solid every year. This is their fifth straight year in at least the regional finals, and they do what they do the same way Dudley generally does what Dudley does, and on that occasion, Charlotte Catholic just did it better. Um, we want to move also to East Forsyth, uh, a game that, that you were uh, broadcasting, Spencer, a really tough 41-38 overtime loss at home to Charlotte Mallard Creek, the team that will be playing Page on Saturday. Uh, yeah, it was a great ball game. Probably one of the best high school games I've seen in a long time. The other two actually involving Page. Uh, the Page-Reagan game, which was just a, a fight back fest from, from Reagan. And then that Page-East Forsyth game that I saw that was a 31-30 game earlier in the year. That was one of the best ones that, that we have seen in a long, long time. But uh, Mallard Creek came in and was not expecting to be hit in the mouth by East Forsyth, and they did. It was 21-10, and the turning point of the ball game was a special teams play where a punt uh, was kicked by Will Smith, the punter for East Forsyth, down the East Forsyth sideline, and it landed it around the 10 and rolled. 
and instead of downing it at the two, East Forsyth got a little greedy and tried letting it go to the one, and it got kicked into the end zone. And that was with about two minutes to go in the first half. So instead of Mallard Creek going with conservative play calling and just trying to get out of the end zone alive and finishing off the half 21-10, the Mavericks decided to throw it on the field a few times, give themselves some space, and they scored in about a buck 17. And that changed the tide of the ball game. Mallard Creek had the momentum at that point. Uh, East didn't go away. They they fought back. They were leading until about 30 seconds left in the game. Mallard Creek um, just at the end of the ball game made plays when it mattered. And uh, East Forsyth could not get anything going on the ground. That front seven for Mallard Creek is extremely impressive. And uh, just a great, great ball game. Two great teams. I know that Todd Willard um, is still um, in shock and upset at the result of the ball game and some of the things that took place that night. But um, nothing to, for East Forsyth. They're hanging their head over. Just, uh, just a great game and a great season. Yeah, and the game I was at was uh, Northern Guilford, which had a great playoff run after finishing fourth in the Mid-State 3A this year uh, against Southern Durham at Durham County Stadium. Um, you know, it was it was a 1915 loss for Northern Guilford. Uh, came down to the Nighthawks struggling to get C.J. Freeman going on the ground. He finished with 101 yards on 20 carries. The big play came with a, about a minute 55 to go. Uh, after Northern had driven from uh, deep in its own territory, had a fourth and two at the Southern Durham 20. Uh, CJ got the handoff, tried to go off right tackle, and cut uh, the artificial turf there once the dew came in and froze, had gotten very slippery for both teams, and he slipped, couldn't quite make the cut the way he wanted to, and started to fall, and a tackler got him about a little less than a yard short. That looked like it for, for Northern Guilford. But no, it's Northern Guilford. It's Johnny Roscoe's team, a bunch of Nighthawks who always play hard. And they had two timeouts left. They forced a three and out. They got the ball back at their 36-yard line with about a little more than a minute to go. Drove downfield again, got it to the 30 of Southern Durham with uh, 40 seconds to go. Miles Timmons threw an interception, and that was the end of it and the end of the season for Northern Guilford. A tough way for them to finish. Uh a great season for them. Uh, they they were down a number of times. Worst loss in school history to open their season at Page, the team we're going to be talking about in a moment. Uh, tough loss to end the regular season at Moorhead, uh, 31-27, a Moorhead team that had never beaten them. Uh, a Moorhead team that never beat them, and yet looked like a bad loss at first. Right. And then Moorhead went on a run of their own in the playoffs and should be commended for what they did this season and turning around the program uh, up there in Rockingham County that for a few years now, probably since my partner uh, Jeremy Phillips has left the program, has been a struggling, struggling football program, and yet uh, went down to Havelock and and beat a Havelock team at home. Just phenomenal. Yeah, beat beat them soundly. I mean, the final score, I think, was maybe a six- or seven-point game, but they were up big through most of that game. And just a great performance by Coach Earl Bates' team, particularly Will Dabbs, who uh, is our HS Extra interview this week. Uh, Two-sport kid, great wrestler, great football player. He had a phenomenal year. But, yeah, that, that was a huge a huge finish for them. And, obviously, a disappointing end for Northern Guilford. But, again, a great, a great job with all of the injuries that they had during the course of their season to get that far and come within less than a yard, probably, of 
winning another, at least getting to a state final. Um, they were, they had the ball almost the entire fourth quarter of that game, other than two plays up to the point where C.J. Freeman was stopped. And it's not unrealistic to think that since Southern Durham had burned timeouts, that Northern might have just run out the fourth quarter and scored and won the game, and, and Southern never even gotten the ball back. That, that was the way that game was going. But uh, that brings us to Page, which had a great win at uh, previously unbeaten Apex Middle Creek, the second unbeaten uh, team that the Pirates have knocked off. They beat Wake Forest in the second round. And this week they are playing that same Charlotte Mallard Creek team that Spencer saw on Friday night. And I guess uh, you know that that's the place to start with, first of all, your assessment of that Mallard Creek Mavericks team, and then we'll kind of take a look at breaking that game down. Uh, their quarterback, James Smith, is a dual threat and a true dual threat. Um, he is that young man that can make something out of nothing. If there's coverage downfield that is tight, he rarely takes a coverage sack. He will at least scamper for a few yards. Sometimes he'll scamper for 20 yards. And and it, he does it like it's nothing. He can flick the ball down the field and, and chuck it pretty good. He is a solid, solid quarterback. The offensive line is large. Uh, I think we came up with 6'3 and a quarter. And 284.2 pounds across the front, and uh, and they move pretty well. Um, they'll stand up occasionally, and uh, usually, and sometimes James Smith will have to do it on his own. Chancery Bowman, the the running back, uh, can catch. He can run pretty well. He, he finds the hole quickly, and and has great vision. Makes some solid cuts, and. Uh, and a couple of really good receivers in Corey Sutton and Ryan Jones, uh, both guys who are going to go and play top-flight Division One football. Uh, Sutton's committed to Kansas State, and uh, Jones is a junior who has offers from uh, practically the entire Southeast. So uh, just a really solid team on the offensive side. On the defensive side of things, a front seven that might be the most dangerous that I've seen in a while. Uh Mr. Brown, the uh, the outside linebacker who's committed to Florida State, really gets after it. I believe he's up to 121 tackles on the season. 20, 20 something for losses. Yeah, and yeah. he wow. he lives in the backfield. He's he's a freak now. A um, couple of D linemen that move. Thaddeus Moss uh, is a D end and a tight end, and and he can get up and down the field pretty well. And and he's not afraid of contact. And uh, yeah, those are the solid points of that team. The secondary is suspect at best, in my opinion. I know that there are some kids who are going to play Division One ball in the secondary, but uh, not playing well together as far as I could tell. And special teams um, gave up a kick return for a touchdown to Nike Martin. Now I understand that Nike Martin's probably the best return man in the area, uh, but it was easy. He didn't get touched. So, And we had said earlier, we had actually said on Monday of that week after watching film that he was going to take one back, and then he did. Uh, and I actually told him that on uh, on that Monday night at practice, and he laughed at me. He said, oh, I hope so. And I said, no, I know so. And he did, and he actually told me after the game, uh, you know, that he had said after the game that, that he, you know, he just saw it. And uh, and it was it was interesting. Um, I thought East Forsyth had him. I really did. And uh, then Mallard Creek pulled out the experience card, and, and it worked out in their advantage. Um, a couple of questionable calls in the ball game. The referees came out of the mountains, and the game is slower up there. It just is. 
Uh, you're not playing with as big of schools up there. You're not playing with as good of a talent up there. And uh, and it showed because the officials had a hard time keeping up with the with the trash talk, with the pace of the game, and uh, and things got out of hand at one point. And uh, and there were some blown calls at key times going both ways in that ball game. And uh, and I think it did play a role, unfortunately, for uh, for this one. I do think it balanced out in the end, but um, a lot of bad calls in the game. Uh, and and it's unfortunate that, that at that stage of the playoffs, we have officiating crews that are getting involved in games that they can't handle. Well, hopefully we won't see that Saturday. It's a 12.05 kickoff at Carter-Finley Stadium for Page and Mallard Creek. Uh, Spencer, you on the ESPN Triad uh, Radio Network are going to have full coverage of that game. Pre-game show at 10 a.m. also? Yes, we'll have the high school huddle on at 10 a.m. We will take a break at 11 a.m. Uh, for some regularly scheduled programming. And then we will be back on at 12. So you'll be able to plop us on uh, on the radio on your way out to the stadium. Uh, you can listen on any of your ESPN triad stations. So um, 1320, 1230, 104.9. Or as you're driving down I-40, you might be best listening on AM 600 WSJS. That signal will carry pretty far on a sunny day, and uh, we are expecting a clear 71 degrees at kickoff in the middle of December at a state championship game. A lot better than the uh, kickoff time and temp for uh, for the Dudley game a couple of years ago at Carter Finley. Yeah, yeah. This, this is this is going to be a, a great. Saturday to look forward to. We want to start off by talking a little bit about what to look for when Paige has the ball. <clears throat> Spencer, you mentioned that that front seven for Mallard Creek. I mean, when I look at the game, Paige did a great job of handling Wake Forest's front earlier this year. Dexter Lawrence, uh, 6'5", 295-pound uh, defensive tackle for Wake Forest. Uh, some people think he's the best defensive Lyman High School in the country. Other people say kid up in New Jersey, Rashawn Gary at Paramus Catholic. But either way, uh, Mr. Lawrence is one of the best. Uh, Page coach Kevin Gillespie said he's the best high school lineman he's ever seen. Uh, they also had two pretty good guys next to him, and Page handled that. 33 dropbacks for Will Jones. He was not sacked. He got hit a few times, but he did not get sacked. I think the difference, as you pointed out, is those two, those two guys on the outside on the edge, Josh Brown, that linebacker who's going to Florida State who's been committed to them since his junior year and Thaddeus Moss that's where I think Page may have a little bit of a problem that Wake Forest didn't have that kind of ability on the outside but if you're going to negate a pass rush what better way to do it than getting rid of the ball quickly to a great set of wide receivers throwing some quick wide receiver screens maybe throwing a screen pass to Javon Leak these are things that Page is pretty good at uh, Page is really good at them, and also it doesn't hurt that you have a 6'3", 278-pound average front in front, uh, leading you and, yes. and leading the way on the blocks. Mallard Creek has not faced an offensive line that is this big. They faced a very well-coached offensive line uh, at East Forsyth with Doug Lakis, but the talent level and the size of this offensive line does not compare to the East Forsyth line. Yes, Taiwan Hazel is 6'4", 300 pounds, but nobody else touches 300 pounds on that East Forsyth line. You have three guys who are 300 pounds on the page line, and one of them is a sophomore center. So, And he's the only sophomore, the only underclassman on that line. Everybody else is a senior. So you have a very experienced offensive line. Um, also, don't underestimate Micah Gafford. Yeah. Micah Gafford is a, is a young man who, who can – 
you know, slip behind those big guys and find a couple extra yards because you can't see them. Yeah. And and when you're a linebacker who's trying to peer over a large offensive line, you lose someone like that. Yeah, he's a great change of pace back to Javon Leak and Gafford also pretty pretty good defensive back. Small, five six, but he is a powerful five six, runs hard. You know, he can be a bowling ball at that size, and as you say, if they can they can get him uh, free behind that line, that would be a good thing. Uh, Will Jones, the page quarterback, got a big feature on him coming in Saturday's paper. A very confident kid, kid with a great arm. Uh, if if they can keep him upright and give him opportunities to look down the field, he's certainly got the arm with his receivers, the size of those kids, starting with DeAndre Overton, 6'5", uh, 195-200, being recruited by everybody in the country. Uh, James Ellis has got decent size. Miles Faison has decent size. They even throw Jeremy Level in there occasionally as a receiver. And Ronald Polite. And Ronald Polite. I mean, that, that is a big, fast group. They're going to have size on those Mallard Creek kids. And one area where that might really be a factor is if they go trips and throw wide receiver screens. They've got the blockers at the at those positions to maybe overpower a smaller uh, Mallard Creek secondary. And if Mallard Creek starts coming up to counter that, somebody goes right by them. It's you know that, that's they've got they've got to get Overton involved very very early. Exactly. Um, I think that's the key. I think that's the key to whatever page has gone down early in games this season. It's because the throw game starts late mm-hmm. and when. When Overton gets involved early, or Faison or Ellis, they get the ball downfield early. They don't seem to have those early game bugaboos that have kind of risen up on them, cropped up on them early this season. The other thing that, that I would like to see Kevin Gillespie go with is quads. East for Scythe, I think, ran it once or twice. And they also ran doubles with stacked receivers. Mm-hmm. And that really freed up a couple of different situations. Uh, the the uh, the stack guy on each side ran crossing routes over the middle, and that confused Mallard Creek a couple of times. Um, but quads is a very hard thing to defend in high school. Mm-hmm. A lot of miscommunication comes from running quads, and when you have four receivers who are six feet tall and taller and I believe all of them, except for Faison, are over 200 pounds, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, that will cause major issues in that secondary. Now, it'll be up to Will Jones to get the ball out quickly at that point. But he'll have Javon Leake or Gafford back there to block for him, unless you go four by one. Yeah. And then you're really going to mess some stuff up for their secondary. Because if you're sending five wide, four by one... No one's going to know what's going on. You're going to at least make them burn a timeout. Yeah, that, and, and then it's a situation, too, where where either they have to get home on Will Jones before he can get rid of it, or they're going to be in trouble because with that, that page receiving core, they can beat you deep. And good luck with that because Will Jones could roll out to the far side, set his feet, come back, and throw across the field 30 yards down the field and complete a pass because his arm is that strong. Yeah. Well, and, those, and that's when he hits his most accurate passes. Yeah. He can take off, too, guys. Yes. I mean, three, he's a, he, you 337 know, he's a yards uh, rushing and 10 touchdowns. And, you know, when they if they can get Leak going a little bit, then the zone read with Will Jones becomes a factor. I don't know how many times I've seen this year where they'll run four or five plays for Leak, and all of a sudden the defense has overcompensated and just totally keyed on him. And 
three guys are tackling Javon Leak, and he doesn't have the ball, and Will Jones is 15 yards downfield running in the secondary, and he's he's not a burner, but he's big enough to uh, withstand the contact, and he's smart enough to know when to keep and when to get rid of it. So those are the things we're looking for when Page has the ball. How about when Mallard Creek has the ball? Uh, when Mallard Creek has the ball, their quarterback is is the man. Um, they have three 1,000-yard rushers on their offense, the quarterback and both their running backs, uh, Darnell Walker and Chancery Bowman. Um, the receivers don't get involved as much as you would think. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty run-heavy ball club. And uh, the biggest thing for Page is going to be Elijah Dirasuba and Tyler DeBerry and Tony DeWong. And this is going to be the first three-man front that Mallard Creek has seen this season. And they're not used to a three-man front. So, are, are they going to get confused when they run stunts and guys are coming from the linebacker position and shooting through the gaps? If that happens and those guys stay in their lanes, mm-hmm. Mallard Creek's in for a long day. Yeah. I mean, you keep, you keep coming back to the quarterback, James Smith. Um, their coach, Mike Palmieri, when I talked to him Monday at the news conference, he said, he's my best player. He said, you know, yeah, yeah, Thaddeus Moss is a great talent. Josh Brown is going to be a great college player, maybe even a great pro, but he said he is the best high school football player I have. And for good reason, when, when you've got a dual-threat quarterback like that, it makes the defense account for him on the in the run game. As you said earlier, if you don't get home on him and get him down, he, he's going to break loose for a few yards and maybe more. The, the crazy thing about him, like a lot of kids we talk about, doesn't have any big-time offers. Okay, but, you know, the size is a factor. But yes. the service academies, he would be fantastic for schools at that level. Well, he would be, and, he has, and he has service academy offers, and he has an offer from, I think, not just the service academies for him, Army and Navy. Yeah. And, and he would be a great triple option quarterback. Oh, yeah. Um, he understands the option very well. He would thrive there. And from all accounts, um, he's a good kid. And you don't get those offers unless you are, because you have to still get an appointment in exactly. order to enter those academies. And he's not a prep kid. He's a he's yeah. a, a an academy kid. Um, and I was actually talking to Coach Palmieri, and, and we were laughing. We said, you know, if he was three inches taller, he could go wherever he wants. And you could say that about a bunch of kids. Yeah. But when you have a 1,000-yard rushing quarterback, and, and I think he's coming up on uh, 2,500 yards passing this season. Yep. Um, it's impressive. It's yeah. very impressive. Now, Will Jones has a whole bunch of passing yards. Almost 3,000. He's got almost 3,000 passing yards. And um, I think 40 total touchdowns. It was either Smith had 40 total touchdowns. Smith, I think Smith, Smith has 40 total touchdowns. Well, Will, no, Will has 30 passing and 10 and rushing. 10, so he has 40 total touchdowns. I was correct. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if, if he can go for 300 passing yards and, and four touchdowns on – Saturday, they're winning the ball game. Yeah, I, yep. I mean it's that simple. Yeah, Will Jones will dictate whether this team wins or loses this ball game. If Will Jones plays, it's so funny. It's so funny about that we're talking like this about Will Jones because we didn't talk like this about Will Jones last year. No. Yeah, well, but Will Jones wasn't the man last year. Yeah, that's the difference. Is Will Will Jones? Was forced into a bad position last year. There was, you know, Britt played quarterback, and then Will kind of had to step into a, a broken locker room and try and heal it. And he knew 
that it was not going to be very easy. He also grew a few inches. Yeah. He also put on some weight. And he also had a really good basketball season. You're, you're stealing my story, Spencer. That, that's, that's what I, that's, it's, story's already written, and, and that's a lot of what it's about in Saturday's News and Record. And, you know, he... he he and I talked at some length about that, and he, I said, would you be here if you hadn't been thrown into that situation? He had to come in against Matthews Butler, a pretty right. darn good football team, and, <laughs> and not only didn't know all the plays because he was up from JV, he had never taken a shotgun snap before in a game in his life. And he, he adapted to that. And I said, well, would you be here if it wasn't for that? And Will's, Will's a confident kid. He said, I'd be here. But he said, I wouldn't be as successful as I am now, and I wouldn't be in the position I'm in and the team is in if I hadn't been thrown into that fire. And Coach Kevin Gillespie said the same thing. Uh, his uh, quarterback's coach said the same thing. I mean, he he grew so much from that experience, what he had to go through and what he went through. And, the success he had in basketball, playing on a, a team that reached the state quarterfinals with DeAndre Overton, one of his uh, uh, football teammates, as the point guard. And, you know, as you say, it's crazy to think back to, to the way he looked the first couple of games last season where, you know, deer in the headlights would not be an exaggeration, but uh, a confident kid. He didn't let it get him down. He built from that. And, He's a big reason why they're they're here. There were a lot of other reasons too. A lot of great kids on that team, great coaching staff. But yeah. uh, his growth from from those first few games when he got thrown into the fire to now is just remarkable. And and before we close out here, the bottom line is he has a big game on Saturday. There will be a lot of phone calls waiting for him Saturday night before the dead period oh, begins. Yeah. From from a lot of coaches around the country. There are going to be a lot of eyes on this ball game. Yep. And there, I think the last count was there are approximately 22 or 23 Division I ballplayers, possibly FBS ballplayers, yep. in the ball game. You, you become the MVP of the game in this one, you're going to go wherever you want to go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Special teams, you touched on it a little bit earlier. Uh, the trouble Mallard Creek had in the return game. Smith has, I mean, uh, Page has had a little trouble covering kicks, too. Uh, that got them into trouble, allowed uh, some teams to come back on them a little bit in the playoffs. But they have Harrison Kaiser. So the bottom line is that Harrison needs to really take advantage of the 71-degree day, yep. and he needs to use the, the thinner air, and he needs to go ahead and punch the ball through the end zone every time and make sure they're starting on the 20. And when he's punting, he needs to just do what he does, and he needs to bury them in the 20. And if he can do that and kick it towards the, the boundaries like he always does, Page is not going to have a lot to worry about. Yeah, he's 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 a great leg. I mean, he gave East Forsyth so much trouble with some of his punts when they played during the regular season. It's I compared it to, and, and a couple of other people who said the same thing. He hits these these line drive spirals. It's like you're you're an outfielder, and the line drive that's hit right at you, and you have trouble gauging how far back to to go or to come in. And he gives return guys the same kind of problems and he kicks the heck out of the ball. I mean, sometimes line drives can be a bad thing for a punter, but not so much when he punts them because he hits them far and he angles them and he makes it tough. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. And you know, a, a lot of times you would see one of his kicks and say, "Oh, I bet he couldn't do it again." And he'll kick it better the next time. Yeah. And he pinned East for Scythe in the two yeah. twice yeah. in a row. Yep. After people, I mean, people on the sideline were like, "Oh, I'll bet, I'll bet five dollars he can't do that again." And then he did it on a rainy night with a little bit of wind, right? It, it in his face, yeah. Oh, and yeah. and he did it, and 
you know, he he's a phenomenal talent. He's going to kick in the Shrine Bowl, and he'll he'll kick at the at the Power Five level where you know he's going to make up his mind here soon. I think where he's going to go. And when you when you just think about how important special teams are going to be in this game, when you have two teams that are offensive juggernauts, special teams will decide this ball game. Yep. And Harrison Kaiser is better than Valderrama for Mallard Creek. Right. That's pretty much our take on all the aspects of the game. Now it comes down to predictions. Uh, JP, uh, I'm going to go with you first. You and I did not have the greatest week last week, both one and three, but uh, the games that we were wrong on, we weren't wrong by much. They were some great games. It could have it easily been three and one or four and oh. That, that's my alibi and excuse, but wh- what do you think of this game? Um, well, my gut is to say I think Mallet Creek is going to win by nine touchdowns because I think I'll, I'm becoming. Are you having stomach today. problems today? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think uh, I, I really think Page is the better team here. I think that they're going to have. Uh, I think Mallet Creek's going to have some trouble with uh, Page's length. They're a big football team, and uh, I think that probably Kaiser's leg propels them in the end. Spencer. I'm, I'm going to hold off from picking the game because I am calling it. So I'm going to fair enough to abstain. Fair enough. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit different. Uh, my heart tells me that this Page team has come together at the right time and is playing its best football right now. My head tells me that too, but uh, my concern, I guess, is having been at that Dudley Page game and seen what the the physical and fast front seven group for Dudley did against Page. I think it's going to be a very close game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm looking for – I've got to give an edge, a slight edge to Mallard Creek simply because of the of Josh Brown and Thaddeus Moss, and I think they're going to cause enough problems to cover for their secondary. And I'm looking for Mallard Creek to win this one 37-34. You want to name a score, JP? Um, I, 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 eh, I don't know. 38 35. I'm, I'm, I'm the same way you are. I'm, I'm right where you are with that as far as point total. But you're going with Paige. Yeah, I'm going to go with Paige. Fair enough. I guess. Yeah. I'm still reeling because we got a mention of Doug Lake is in this podcast. I can't <laughs> believe that. The, 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 the minister of uh, propaganda for the East Forsyth football program oh, and, and, oh, and, a, and, a, and a great coach. So we, we're, we're, we're laughing what? with you, Doug, not at you. <laughs> And, and that's the note we're going to wrap it up on. This is our last football podcast of the season. We're going to get basketball rolling shortly, but uh, probably not until after the holidays, maybe for the HACO Invitational, which is December 26th, 28th, and 29th at the Coliseum Special Events Center. We want to thank people for joining us again this week and throughout the season. And wait remind, a second, wait a second, wait a second. Wait, wait. Our, our special guest, Spencer, where are our mini helmets? <laughs> Uh, someone already has theirs. <laughs> um, you are out of. Uh, we'll talk later. Yes, we will. <laughs> we will. <laughs> and on and on that note, for all your high school sports coverage in print, you want to read the news and record daily. And for the latest high school sports news online, you can check out our website hsextra.com. Uh, you can. Follow uh, Mr. Spencer Turkin on Twitter. Your handle, sir? At Turkin35. And remember, folks, you can listen to the High School Huddle. Joe will be on with us, as will Q Tucker, the commissioner of the North Carolina High School Athletic Association, from 10 to 11 
on AM 600 WSJS, AM 1320, AM 1230, and FM 104.9. And then the ball game will be on those same stations uh, from 12 until uh, until it's over and we crown a champion in 4AA. And uh, you can also listen on triadsports.com or download the ESPN radio app and, uh, and go ahead and search for Triad Sports and uh, it'll pop on up. And JP, your Twitter, Twitter handle, sir, is... At JP M-U-N-D-Y. Or excuse me, at JP underscore M-U-N-D-Y. And mine is at Joe Serrera NR. Thanks again for listening.